Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. Now, before we get started on the show proper and what I want to talk about, I wanted to let you guys know you can go and you can listen to the previous episodes of this podcast if I, and subscribe to this podcast in whatever you're listening to me right now. In, wh- wherever you are hearing my voice go into your skull, there is probably a way to subscribe to me. So definitely go do that if you really love the show and check out previous episodes of the show, like the like one of two episodes, one of which I just did on um, Kekai Sensen or Blood Blockade Battlefront. Um, but the next Thursday edition, I can confidently say, will be about a very indie film, a very little-known film called... I believe it's Ramayana. I th- I Ramayana. I'm ninety percent sure I said it eighty percent of the time incorrectly, so I could be wrong. But I I actually joined the of a bunch of months ago. I joined the um Japan Society in New York City since I live in the on the like greater East Coast. I live in New Jersey, so I have access to New York City. It, it, it makes geographic sense, I promise. <laughs> and I did it because, A, obviously the tangential nature of Japan to anime and all that junk. But, B, they have film screenings and they have a once a month anime film screening. And, uh, yes, you're going to get your fair amount of Ghibli movies and the movies we've all seen, which I will happily see in a screening room with like-minded people again don't have to ask me twice. But every once in a while, you get something like Ramayana. The, um, and that movie is was really interesting. I'll talk about it more on the next Thursday edition. But um, look forward to that. And on that note, let's get into what I'm talking, what I want to talk about on this lovely Sunday edition being recorded on a Saturday because I am trying to be responsible. Now, um, now, when you when you go online right now, you probably notice a like deluge of content about a certain spinoff show called Velma, and it's a lot of people saying that this show isn't good. And do I agree with them? Yes, I agree with them that it's not good, and. What I see from this show is what the anime community did months and ultimately, I believe, years back with, um, or at least at the beginning of the year. I don't even remember when um, High Guardian Spice came out, but it kind of mirrors High Guard the issues with High Guardian Spice. So I want to talk about something that's really. That I, that has come to my attention with Velma and kind of came to my attention with a singular moment in High Guardian Spice. <laughs> that, I, that, is, that in watching Velma, I kept thinking about this moment. Like, what? What? <laughs> what? There's a moment in High Guardian Spice where the show flips to a different kind of show, but not 
permanently. It's it. It, there's a couple moments in High Ground Spice actually where it does this, where it flips, where it like slips from the kind of unassuming, almost Magic Knight Reyes esque thing into being more not what it hoped it would be, but closer to what it hoped it would be. And one of those moments is like it catches you so off guard. I think it's in like episode five or something. Uh, I forget the character, but like the mean little girl with pink ha- with purple hair is talking about her mother and how her mother slept with uh, her, her rich mother and how her mother slept with like a deckhand on their on their family's yacht. And it's like in a show that, to be clear, has like LGBTQ characters has a um, trans character in a show that has done all of this had not approached that kind of like weird raunchy humor before and it like it it felt like when you see a teenager try on or when you see a teenager or 20 something even if I'm honest try on a personality for half a second and then just get smacked down by the world around them that's what it felt like watching like that moment in high guardian spice and if you've seen the show you're probably like oh that character and that line that was weird um but th- the backlash to that and the way that took weird stabs at, like, attempting to be, like, an American-produced adult animation in a different mold than something like, say, Velma or Family Guy or those or those ilk of adult animation. You, Rick and Morty comes to mind, even though um, I think Justin Roiland was just, he was just convicted of a whole bunch of shit. Not great. Probably dirtbag, but I don't know why we're all surprised by that. Look at the show he made. Um, but the and it's also what I'm talking what I'm talking about here will also have something to do with what I talked about in a bunch of Sunday editions ago, all about the kind of like dying empire of rich white guys who run like who who run media organizations and are trying to run and trying to keep themselves running everything and i say that for a very weird reason and i will get to that reason in a second but basically velma is a spin-off series to scooby doo and in in scooby doo it's it's not really figured out why the Scooby Gang is all together, except they are. You you understand that Fred's van that it's a, it's Fred that the mystery machine belongs. Like Fred has the deed to the mystery machine, but they all just seem like a bunch. They seem like two couples and a dog. They, they, they are they are announced as two couples and a dog, basically. If you just if you just look at them, it's Fred and Daphne and Velma and Shaggy and Shaggy's dog Scooby Doo. And then 
the Hanna-Barbera cast of that cartoon was born, and, like, there doesn't seem much to be much thought behind those characters when they're first made, but eventually, over time, the internet takes all things, and it took a hold of Daphne, and it took a hold of Velma, and Shaggy, and took a hold of the whole cast. You get... Weird expansions and contractions of the cast with things like a pup named Scooby-Doo introduced Scrappy. Um, there's the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo is where they're actually fighting ghosts and not like weird old men trying to scam you, scam other people out of their pension funds <laughs> in rubber mats. There's um, a movie where Shaggy and Scooby are like the PE teacher for a monster middle school. I'm not kidding. Like, they... All the famous monsters of history have daughters, and they send them to the special private school where Shaggy and Scooby just teach them PE. It's so weird. It's also great. I will say it's also great. I forget what that movie's called, but it's great. And then at some point... I forget when, but it's much more recent than anything I, than anything else I mentioned. They essentially, um, in uh, in um, Mystery Zank, I think is the name of the actual Scooby Doo iteration that it happened in. They basically did their best to admit that Velma was gay. That Velma was gay, and. I, and the, like, shock of shocks to that was non-existence. Like, everybody was like, oh, you mean the girl, the, like, girl who dresses gay, acts gay, and looks gay is gay? Surprising. And it was one of those things that, like, everybody had decided about that character for a long time. And kind of what I read into that was, oh, somebody who, like, grew up on the internet and, like, knew this theory about Velma finally got put in charge of something. Because that, that had been happening rather frequently um, lately since now millennials are adults and we had the internet. So we're, like, we know shit. Um, but <laughs> eventually they announced Velma. And... They announced Velma in, like, a weird... Like, Velma was a weird fucking thing. Because... And still is a weird fucking thing. Because... Here's this adult animation... That... Is being produced by HBO. And being put up on HBO Max. And will eventually be put up on Max. The, like, new service that HBO Max will morph into when they're going around and when they are rifling through that services catalog and axing many of the other animated features that they have because of licensing rights issues they haven't touched the ghibli library mostly because i bet they like everybody else in hollywood is Deeply fucking afraid of touching the Ghibli library once they commit to it. Because Dear Ghibli is notorious for having no chill as well they should. (laughs) 
basically, uh, so this is, a, this is a little tangent, but I, I, I'll make it quick. Basically, when Studio Ghibli allowed, I forget who licensed it, um, them to license um, Navika, they they fucked it up. They 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 royally fucked that film, and I forget what they called it. Um, but they called it something distinctly different, and they fucked around with the actual film, and produced something that is not Nausicaa, something that is like distinctly. Oh God, what was it called? It doesn't matter. But it wasn't Nausicaa. It had like a weird. It like rewrote everything. It like deleted 15 seconds. It like messed with the plot, the whole thing. And so when a studio, a Hollywood studio, went to acquire the right to release Princess Monoki in in theater, Ghibli said sure, and. They sent over a print of the film. And the Hollywood executives were really concerned because they thought, they thought wrongfully, I want to be clear, wrongfully, they were fucking morons, um, that the movie wouldn't, like, jive. It wouldn't, like, it wasn't going to do what they wanted to do, this kind of movie to do. And so what Studio Ghibli did in response is they went out, and I don't know how the fuck they did this. It must have been unsharpened, because I think that's the only way you're allowed to have that done. Um, or maybe it was before, or maybe Studio Ghibli is the reason there's, there's a law about removing samurai swords from Japan. Um, they had a samurai sword, an actual katana, sent with a message attached to it. And it simply said, I'm not shitting you, no cuts. They made themselves be known in that moment. And so, like, you like, I would bet once you make a deal with Studio Ghibli, you don't, you're not real quick to back out of it because they're like, fucking, I don't know, Nintendo was started out of, like, Hanafuda cards, which were for fucking mobsters. I don't want to know what, what kind of weird tendrils animation had in that country. Jesus. Have you seen the Happy Science movies? Good God. <laughs> but, suffice it to say, HBO Max had been cutting shit out of their service left and right. Up, including things like Infinity Train. Um, the biggest one that people have noticed is just fucking gone from that service. It, all Westworld is gone. It is evaporated from that service. You cannot watch it on Disney Plus. On um on HBO on HBO Max right now. Go look for it. You will not find it. <sighs> and so you have this like legitimate panic on behalf of people who love animation because HBO Max when it started was like very was a very committed to not just anime but animation you know d different types of animation that like didn't currently have a home anywhere else like infinity train and so they were really they were really like everybody was caught off guard as well they should have been and the reason stated was um 
David Zasloff, the new head, the head of um, Discover Warner, now HBO, is now also HBO, was trying to find cost savings. And so what he was doing was he was going through and he was cutting things that weren't making money so that he didn't have to pay the royalty fees, which is a business way to do it. But there's also a business way to, like, approach that, and you announce it, and you announce why, and you tr- you don't do it until you have an accurate gauge of your audience, of, of, of your user base. And you can tell he didn't, or else they wouldn't have deleted, not even the animation stuff, they wouldn't have deleted something like Westworld. And so, what that sets up is this platform on which Velma arrives as a kind of animation that typically you would see on something like um, Netflix, and Netflix would just kind of put it out with a little with little fanfare and see what it did. That's kind of what they did with Wednesday. Like Wednesday was announced and like had trailers and stuff. But they were not anticipating Wednesday to be a mega hit. Like, Wednesday was a, was and is a huge deal. And it's super weird that because of, like, background dealings of the production studio that they contracted with to make Wednesday being purchased by fucking Amazon Prime Video. Wednesday was canceled after a season because they just don't have, and that's not because Wednesday did not do well for them. It did way more than they probably imagined at Netflix. It's because like business dealings in the background fucked them over, which is a different thing. But generally speaking, like there's all kinds of weird ass, um, like Chicago Party Ant is one, um, all kinds of weird ass adult, deeply adult at a whole range of animation on Netflix. So it would make sense to me if Velma showed up on Netflix as a streaming service because it would hang with things like Chicago Party Ant with um that weird gay officers of the law animation with like all these animations ranging from unwatchably bad to okay to good in some cases that are on there but here it but it like it like drops on Netflix the first two episodes drop on Netflix and I'm not gonna lie to you I couldn't I couldn't watch this thing and the reason I couldn't watch this thing is because it's the reason that lots of adult animation rubs all of us the wrong way it's because Everybody wants to believe that, like, adult animation, that mature content, quote-unquote, means, like, basically means being shitty, like, being shitty and saying shitty things into the camera. The perfect example of this is Family Guy, is Family Guy and um, Rick and Morty. But what we is like... Anime fans, as otaku know, is that it's not that. It's telling a, telling a story 
in animation that is a mature story that is not necessarily aimed at children that treating animation like a medium and a tool to tell of storytelling rather than treating it like a genre where like you make the Powerpuff Girls or something like that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the Powerpuff Girls, believe me. But what everybody wants to believe is like adult, what all these companies want to believe is adult animation because it's in their brains more marketable is stuff like Velma. Is stuff that virtue signals. It, it's stuff like Velma. It's stuff like like the Harley Quinn animated show. Is all this different stuff that is all about signaling the right things to to consumer bases that can be activated to purchase shit. If that makes any sense, and signaling things to other companies that they can then make brand deals with and all of a sudden you get a Joker costume in like Gears of War or some bullshit. And or like you get a Joker costume in um in uh what's it called? Um in Fortnite. Or you get a Harley Quinn costume in Fortnite. That's all Money changing hands for money changing hands on two levels. First, the level of you paying for that costume if you see that costume, you like it. Second, but primary, but also on the level of between company and company for the rights and all of that bullshit. And in the 80s, when Gundam was first conceived of. It was actually conceived of... As not just a singular, like, anime. It was also linked to a toy... To a plastic model kit. And it was a way to produce and sell... Plastic model kits. The one-to-one there is very fucking clear. If you watch... Power Rangers, the reason there's new bad guys every every episode, every other episode is because they need a new toy to sell you. Same thing with Transformers. Same thing with a lot of the anime of your childhood. Same thing with um, Voltron. With a lot of, most of the giant robot genre, actually. Zoids. If you, <laughs> if you, go, if you go to Amazon right now and you type in Zoids... You'll get the different Zoids TV series, maybe on like Blu-ray or DVD, or even actually Blu-ray and DVD. I don't think you'd find it on VHS at this point. But you'll also get like model kits of all the different Zoids thing you've ever seen. Shit you haven't seen. Shit you didn't even know existed. It's wild. But the problem here is that you can't sell, like, selling toys, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that I, I know Rick and Morty sells toys of Rick and Morty and, like, the whole fucking cast, I'm sure. 
I know Harley Quinn has her own fucking action figure. I believe it. It's a Batman franchise. Scooby-Doo also has a whole toy line and history and, like, action figures and Burger King toys and all that shit. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to make a fan base and, like, get it... Get it all, like, going and hold a fan base so then they can sell them merchandise. Not even, like, a one-to-one, like, here's an action figure of the new Velma. No, they want to, like, sell you a t-shirt. They want to sell you, like, experiences or, like, sponsored bullshit. And that's not what I think the most interesting part of that show is. Because I I watched the first two episodes. Once I I couldn't make it through the first episode the first time. I just couldn't do it. Like, my, my brain was just, like, it was rejecting what I was attempting to put in my eyes. I could not do it. And a lot of it was because I had that same feeling that you got from something like High Guardian Spice or God forbid, God forbid, the like deep loathing that ignited in my heart for by um, watching uh, Freak Angels. Oh my God, that thing was terrible. <laughs> that is a show in which a psychic in which a psychic girl sits in a white be- in a tank top and her underwear and eats fish. On a plate, in the middle of a mattress on a bed frame. Notice I didn't say a bed. I mean a mattress, an un, an unmade, unsheeted mattress on a bed frame. It is so fucking weird. <laughs> and that's another show that's like a, attempted to do like the edgy adult cartoon thing, and it's just like. Everybody wants to make the next... Everybody wants to see if they can find the next Family Guy. The thing that is made by the mind of somebody who wanted to make it and then forced to exist for way too long because it becomes this ratings juggernaut and this cash cow of a thing. But... And I'm going to sing Family Guy's praises here, but I'm also going to sing Velma's praises at the end. Family Guy has moments where it's genuinely fucking funny. Because they have moments of deep physical comedy that is, like, rooted in the original season of the show that was when they were just coming up with weird shit. When they were just doing shit for no reason. Like, the chicken fights? The fights that Peter has with this humanoid chicken? Get me every goddamn time. It... They're so funny, and they're so, like, they're so out of left field and, like, pointless. (sighs) But what they also do is they also give this, like, spontaneity to the show. They give this, like, and and they, they, they attach the show to something that's, that's, like, a continuing joke. Like, every, every, at least once a season, I think, the chicken shows up. And Peter and the chicken kick the shit out of each other. And, like, the, like, these huge animation cuts of just unhinged madness. And once again, that has... 
worked its way into a lot of other adult animation. That, um, that like over the, those over the top fight moments from Family Guy work its way in, work their way into things like Rick and Morty. Things like there's one of those there's one of those Velma so far. And it becomes like Family Guy. Ma- Family Guy did it because they thought it was funny. Everybody else is making a checkbox of like, oh, if you're gonna have an adult animation, there needs to be this like gratuitous <laughs> murder fest, and it just doesn't. And then Family Guy does it again in like later seasons, and it feels like a shadow of what they do with the chicken. <laughs> Because it doesn't feel as special or as, like, weird and unexplainable. And I think that everybody needs to slow down with the adult, quote-unquote, animations. I think that what people need to do is they need to realize that, like, what makes all all these animated shows appealing to adults is not necessarily, like, the craft, humor, or the political commentary that you can shove into the show, like, they have filled to the brim in Velma. Oh my god, it's ugh, cloying. Um, they, they need to realize that if they're going to make a show for adults, then they need to look at animation and they need to say, okay, how can we make this a medium? How can we not make a American Dad 2, but instead, like, we're going to make an interesting animated show about this or that or the other thing. And it doesn't need to be this, like, mile-a-minute comedy format. It doesn't need to be this, like, absurdist horse shit. Because... The other thing I've thought about Velma is that it's a spin-off, and you don't often see spin-offs in, I mean, you do see spin-offs in anime, certainly, but you don't often see them, because anime, for better or worse, did not give you a whole, the creators, at least, oftentimes do not give you a whole, um, do not give you a way into that, off constantly or if they do take the opportunity to do a spinoff they do something so unbridally weird that it's just like what the fuck is this for example um gundam witch from mercury has a spinoff show i forget what it's called like gundam witch from mercury like side a or something and it is about the Gundam, the Gundam on the on the promo art, the Ariel, witnessing Soleta grow up over the years. And that is like, that is such an odd thing. That is such a weird, like, great shifting the camera slightly to the left move. That you gotta respect it. Like you like even if it doesn't end up working, it's gonna be weird as shit. It's gonna be interesting. 
Meanwhile, what they do with Scooby-Doo is they do a Scooby-Doo spinoff that has the entire Scooby cast, Scooby-Doo cast in it, except for Scooby-Doo. And I, I just, I, the, watching the show, and I'll probably continue to watch it because it, it, it continues to have a references to Scooby Doo in it, which I appreciate, but also B, like, there are multiple animation cuts in the first two episodes that lead me to believe that somebody on that staff is a huge fan of a YouTube channel called Speedo Sausage. Which, as you might suspect, is a YouTube channel that specializes in making deeply adult, <laughs> deeply funny, deeply fucking weird and stylized animation skits involving their own characters, characters from other shows. It's it's so fucking weird. They're the sketches they do where um. Sasuke from Kill to Kill, her eyebrows grow sentient and start eating people. Like, it, it's so fucking weird. And it's, and I'm like, I, I was like, I gotta go back. Was that, was that a Speedo sausage? Fucking face? What are we doing? <laughs> Who knows what that means? This is weird. And like, that's why I think that. That's why I think that Velma happens to take the road less traveled by a lot of these shows. Because you, if you look at many of the American adult animation shows, if you look at Family Guy, if you look at American Dads, if you look at Rick and Morty, if you look at um, what's the one um. The, the one with the aliens from Hulu. Or even if you look at um, Captain Koala, which is a new one which I couldn't make as the first episode of because it made me want to put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger. Or even something like Y is for Family. Or F is for Family on Netflix, over on Netflix. They all kind of look the same. Like, they all look like... They all have the same rough feel... The one that, the, like, adult animation that I would say stands out the most in the pack of, like, adult animations in, um, American adult animation is probably Archer. And it's because Archer, like, looked at stuff and was like, no, we're gonna make a send-up of weird 1960s spy movies. <laughs> and we're just gonna take that football and run with it and it's gonna get weird and great. And I think that, like, that, that show, Archer achieves a lot of what all of these shows want to do and don't quite get to. It Because it can still be serious, it can still be, it can still have, like, action scenes and fight scenes and, like, Archer is a capable spy. He's also a fucking dumbass. Like... It's just, I, I think there's a real problem with, quote-unquote, the adult, the, like, cottage industry of adult animation in the American sense of it. 
And I think that a lot of that is taking the wrong lessons from what made anime so big. So, um, over on Twitter, um, Anime Addicts Anonymous, they oftentimes just, like, ask questions, and I saw one, and I saw one that said, like, what's, what's something you could say that'll make anime fans mad? And immediately in my head, I was like, I, I, I said it, like, in my head, and then I typed, and I tweeted it. I was like, oh, you mean they're Chinese porn cartoons? Which used to be a real thing people, like, referred to anime as, um, like, in my lifetime. I'm so fucking old. Um, but... I don't think we should discount the fact that, like, yes, anime is super popular, but people are taking the wrong secret sauce explanation away from these shows. People are not taking the... And it's part of the reason why when I did my episode on um, on Attack on Titan, I was so explicit on, like, no, dude, Eren's not a good guy. That, and But he's also not a bad guy. The bad guy here is the concept of violence as a solution to problems. The bad guy here is authoritarianism. The bad guy here is, oops, we did a fascism. Like, the fascists forced us to be fascists. Who'd have sunk it? And that's because I don't think you can under. I think that a lot of people making media believe that they are immune to the media that they've seen and they are immune to, and I would include myself in this on some level, uh, they are immune to the effect the world has on them and they believe that they are speaking the truth. I think that when stuff really forms well, it is actually speaking the truth because you're including the whole of an experience. You're including everything about a character. So if you want my opinion on what I think a like fabulous adult animation from anywhere looks like go and look at something like that's airing right now high card and the reason why i bring this show up not only because i as soon as that thing finishes i'm gonna talk about it because i'm obsessed with it but it is the main character in that show whose name escapes me right now and it's not really important right now at least you kind of know his whole character and they don't hide anything from you and they like put him through all of these moments and yes it has the bombastic action yes it has like it's like has some wildly funny moments it has some like weird shock value but it's not it's figured out how to tell a story and with that story achieve those other points along the way in which versus what most adult animation in um, the American sense does, which is they want to 
they they have a checkbox. They have a list of checkboxes. And they go down and they tick off each thing. So in the so in Velma, I was watching the second episode and I was my brain did the math and I said out loud, Oh, they're working their way up to the gratuitous fight scene. They're working their way up to the like big gnarly bloody fight bloody um comedic fight they're working their way up to the stickman massacre incarnation in this show and absolutely they were most anime have like absolute fabulous sakuga moments right now like great moments of absolute great animation where the where the animators are just given license on some level to just let themselves off the chain and go for broke. But that's less because that's the thing all these shows do, and it's more because that's what's demanded of that moment in this show. Did a YouTube video that it's in my that was I just saw in my recommend my recommendation feed that was. <laughs> Eight minutes long, and it was just called Eight Minutes of, of the Original Trigon Being the Absolute Peak of Animation. And it's eight minutes of on it's eight minutes of this one cut from the original Trigon on repeat, where they like cut to Vash's face, and it's just like the most detailed, glistening, beautiful drawing of him for like a comedic reason. And it, it's a beautiful cut of animation. It's not... It's like that show can look great, but it can also look like dog shit. It's an isolated moment, and it's very funny, and it's meant to be very funny. But it's... The internet... T- but the internet took that out of... Somebody on the internet took that out of contact and put it out to the world. And... I think... I think what we're witnessing in American animation is a bunch of writers, creators, all this stuff who've grown up with access to something like YouTube. And what I mean there is they've grown up with access to I want to see this I want to see the Kaneda the Kaneda Tetsuo fight from Akira. Let me go find it. I, and they can go find exactly that fight. You can type it into YouTube and you can watch it. You can dabble at it. But what you're doing there is you're removing that thing. You're removing that moment of extreme violence from the context in which it was presented. And what you're finding interesting there is part of what, what it was originally interesting for, which is the like craft of making something that violent, of the craft of like the weird interplay between the motorcycle, the laser rifle, and the blob monster that um, Tetsuo becomes. But you're missing the lead-up to it, because nothing forced you to take even a couple seconds beforehand of the lead-up to it. You're getting a way protracted experience of that scene 
and oftentimes you and almost always you'll go look that up and you'll either have saw the movie or that will inspire you to see the movie but you're still encapsulating a piece and you're ignoring the rest and i'm not saying i don't do this i do this all the time i have moments where i'm like fuck okay, let me just go watch a broccoli fight scene. Like, let me just go watch that scene from Naruto and then, like, I'll be good. I... I have... And I'm gonna have to do it again after this recording. Um, I have now multiple times looked up the Rave Master opening on fucking YouTube because my brain is, like, just, like... It's like, oh, Rave Master opening. That's real fun. Go be a dork to that for ten seconds. And what that, but what that does is that through enough filters, through enough like removal, you just like, you've seen it by itself now instead of it in context and you try and emulate it. You want that, that scene becomes a thing to emulate and, and in lots of people's minds, if they can capture even a little bit of that moment of an iconic moment from another animated franchise or from anime then they kicked ass and took names you see this with the um akira bike slide that is in that's in um the simpsons that's in the clone wars that's in all of these things and it is a clear reference to the to the original to the original cut of animation in akira but when you see that, your brain probably doesn't think about what happened before or after in that scene. You think about that slide, and that's all you see in your head. And I think that, like, I think that adult animation has to be more than just gratuitous, raunchy violent humor that like that doesn't necessarily appeal to adults it appears appeals to like your 14 year old lizard brain it's like haha poop joke or haha small dick joke when like it could like the shit could be so much smarter and that's part of the reason why people including me like archer they take deep, like, that show excels in taking deeply stupid things and, like, building on them. Like, the, like, what do you keep in there? Buckles? Comment? Or the, like, you want ants? This is how you get ants. And it, like, it's recontextualizing actual things people would say or actual, actual ways people talk. As opposed to what something like Velma does, or something like Rick and Morty does, or any of the adult animations that don't quite... That people love, and I'm not saying people shouldn't love them. Everybody can have their thing. But they don't quite step up to the plate in the same way. They don't even attempt to step up in the plate the same way. A lot of it has to do with writing. Um, in the case of Velma... It's very clearly like an artistically like ticket. The show is beautiful. Like it is, 
it's got its own style, which is more than you can say for a lot of animated stuff, and that's mostly because a lot of that stuff is being produ- produced by the same couple people. Like, um, like Solar Opposites is produced by the same people who produce Rick and Morty, and that's why it looks exactly the same. Same thing with American Dad and um, Family Guy. I just... The, the, like, discourse around Velma and, like, the... Me attempting to watch it and me, like, thinking about it in in relationship to anime and the way people consider anime to be, like, a more adult place for animation for both good and ill made me think... just made me, like, want to talk about this. So... Um, I've rambled for long enough. I'm approaching 50 minutes. But on that note, if you like the podcast, new episodes of the podcast come out every Thursday and every other Sunday. Sunday episodes are more like this. They're more metatextual. They're more about whatever my brain wants to spill out into a microphone. Um, Thursday, Thursday, and actually not Saturday, Thursday episodes are more traditionally about a show... Or a property. Um, next Thursday episode will be about Ramayana, or Ramayana, um, the rarely screened, the actually never before screened, um, Indo Indo Japanese co-production anime film that I went to go see at the um, at J- at the Japan Society's main building, which was nice to go do. But on that note, I've been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. I will talk to you on Thursday.